Welcome to Foundation Church's weekly message. We hope you are equipped by this message from Pastor Tom Lively. For more information about our church, please visit foundationchurchfl.com. To all the new people, I tell you, this is my new shtick right now. To all the new people that are here this morning, first time, or maybe you've come for a week or so, just hang in there. Give it a couple months. That's what you gotta do. You don't, need, you don't know a church at all until you're there for months, month after month, after month after month. I see that by looking at the crowd this morning, we have a few spring forward victims. <laughs> I absolutely, and, and it, those of you that are watching, just get here now, just keep coming. You just may have just discovered now that you're late because you usually show up late anyway, and now you realize that you're mega late. <laughs> Just keep, just keep on driving. Maybe you just felt, you know, just came upon us on Facebook, and you're like, "Oh no, yeah, it's okay. Just keep coming. I'll be talking." Send 51. We'll be here till about 12:10, and we'll start closing it up about that time. So just keep driving and get here, and you'll get here for 30 or 40 minutes of the message. But for those of you that are new, hang in there. It's uh, listen. I know that it's different. But understand something, it's different in this way, and that, and that is that the church, the, the international or the, even the national church in America has gone downhill. And what you're seeing in this church is what it used to be, and going back uphill. That's what you're seeing in this church. You're seeing the Bible. You're seeing power, signs, and wonders. That's what church is supposed to be. You're going to see the truth. The truth spoken through the word of God, the word of God applied to the world. That's what you'll see. You're not gonna hear that everything is okay when it's not okay. You're not gonna hear that things are not okay when they are okay. You're gonna hear what is actually true. Hang in there. What's the worst thing? You're like, well, Tom, I'm used to a 70-minute service, and this one's over two hours. Well, what's the worst thing that could happen? What, what exactly are you in a hurry to get to? And always ask yourself these questions because I think that I'm gonna finish this this week, but Christianity is all about second-by-second second analysis, not a paralysis of self-analysis. We'll outline that today. But it's a second-by-second second analysis. So always ask yourself, why do I believe what I believe? Why am I feeling what I'm feeling? Should I actually obey what I'm feeling? Should I obey what I'm thinking? Am I saying that to keep you from walking out? Yeah, because I want you to be touched by God. I want you to be, I want you to be touched by the truth of God's word because most churches would never dare to preach the word of God because it runs too many people out. But what are you winning them to then? If you're not winning them to the word of God, if you're winning them to a watered-down version of Jesus, are they even saved? So don't leave. Sit here, marinate. Maybe it's more like a tanning bed. Let Let the fire turn you a nice sheen of brown. You'll be all right. Seriously, you'll be okay. So hang in there. 
I guarantee you, I guarantee you that if you give this church a couple months, you will never go anywhere again. You won't be able to, because the Bible's the Bible. The Bible's the Bible, it speaks for itself. It doesn't mean, it doesn't need me now. Now I'm more of a, of a yeller. You could have somebody come up here, if it was the Bible, you would get something out of it. If it's the Bible, you, it would pierce your heart. It would bring conviction. It would bring revelation to you. It would bring life to you, no matter how it's taught. Just don't be the tone police. Don't be the tone police. Well, well you know, I, I, I you know, agree with the message. I just don't agree with how it was said. Then why don't you implement what was said then? If it's simply, if it's simply that you don't agree with the tone, but you agree with the message, then why don't you implement the message? It's never the tone. It's never the tone. Because here's the thing, and I've used this example before. If you went into the doctor, or even the psychiatrist, but I'll use the doctor. If you went into the doctor, and he, and he communicated with you truth, that if you do not do these things, you'll be dead inside of a month. In every other word, as a matter of fact, it wasn't even every other word. It's every word was an F word. You would do it. You would not be concerned about the tone. You wouldn't be like, well, I appreciate the message, but I don't appreciate the tone. You wouldn't be like that. You would simply do the message. You would simply follow the truth. Well, this is even more important than that because that's temporal. That's temporal life. That's physical body life. What we're talking about here is eternal life. So what I'm telling you this morning, whether you're a regular or attender or not, hang in there. Analyze what's coming your way. Thoughts are coming. Your thoughts are a response to the things that you see, to the things that you hear, to the things that you feel. And you must take every one of those thoughts captive and analyze it. Today we're gonna get vocational. Boy, I got quiet in here when I said that. We're gonna get vocational. We're gonna get down to what do you do in specific situations? What do you do? What are the specific actions that you wanna take? Christianity is not specific, Tom. It's just the, some sort of ambiguous will of God that unfolds. That is not the Bible. Look at me now. Understand, if you wanna believe that, you can. This is America. You can believe whatever you want to believe. We are not living under Sharia law. You can believe whatever you want to believe. You can live within the bounds of the law. However you want to, to live, you can. But be honest with yourself. There's not some sort of ambiguous will of God that's going to unfold. It does not happen. That is not the Bible. There are actions that you must take. Well, that sounds works-based. That's correct. The unfolding and the understanding of grace is works-based. By grace, you have been saved through faith. You can't erase sin through your works, but you can understand grace and what you are and who you are in Christ through works. As a matter of fact, it's not that you can. It's the only way to unfold who you are in Christ is through your works. You can't just sit there and think that God's opportunities are coming. God's opportunities are not coming. They're already here. It's a matter of whether you can see them or not. Immature people can't see 
opportunity. And again, you might be thinking, you've seen these young kids, whether they're coming out of high school or even in the midst of high school, blow every opportunity that they have. Do you think they can honestly see it? They honestly can't see it. My grandfather, his name was Jack, Jack Crow, captain in the Navy. You're like, that answers a lot of questions. That's right. I was raised in a military home. But he used to get kids what are called ROTC scholarships and get them appointments even to the military academies. And he worked that. He worked that was basically in his retirement. That's what he did. And he'd always bemoan this, this, this unfolding of events. He goes, I went and got this kid this appointment, got this kid this interview, even got this kid this scholarship, but then he fell in love. Because normally he's dealing with who? High school juniors and seniors. What, what do they have a tendency to do? Fall in love. So he would get them a scholarship that was worth, at the time, college was between ten dollars and $20,000 a year, $100,000, $150,000, or even to the, to the Navy at Naval Academy, or to West Point, or the Air Force Academy. So you, by being in love, they're throwing away with a girl they're never going to see again. Who that same girl that you're walking away from a $150,000 scholarship will walk away from you on the day of graduation to go to her college. Do you think that kid knows what he's doing? You're like, Tom, sounds like you're excusing people. I excuse people sometimes, and sometimes I don't because people are an amalgam. You can't judge every person according to the same background, according to the same set of rules because, except for the Bible, because people are an amalgam. You never know what the contributing factors are. You judge them strictly by the word of God. Is it sin? Is it not? Are you saved? Are you not? That you, that's easy judgment. But everything else, there's people who know and just pee-pee everything away. And there's people who don't know and pee-pee everything away. There's men who are married to a great wife. They know they're married to a great wife, but they just can't stay away from other women. So they are pee-peeing away something that's great and doing it knowingly. That kid in high school doesn't know. He has no idea that he's doing that. He just throws it all away. So people operate in knowledge, and sometimes they don't. They don't know. So you, a lot of times, what I'm saying with all of this is, if you're not doing the works, if you're not taking every thought captive and living by second-by-second second decisions, you are living in unbelief. You cannot see the doors that are opening before you. If you believe in an ambiguous will of God that will just inherently unfold no matter what you do, please understand that's not the Bible. Believe it if you will, but understand that you are not seeing the doors that are opening before you. You're falling in love, just like the kid in high school. So we're getting vocational today. Thoughts are coming. You're thinking right now. Some of you have already shut the door. Why did you shut the door? Have you analyzed it yet? Ask yourself why it is. Like a lot of times I'll, I'll be like, you know, why am I in a bad mood? 
And I think that it's one thing, but when I really get down to it, I get in a bad mood when I have an appointment that I don't want to go to. No matter what it is, whether it has anything to do with the church or not, whether mainly if it's like a dentist appointment or whatever, whatever it may be, and I'll just be in a bad mood and I'll think that it's something else, but at the root of it, the root of it is I have an appointment that I don't want to go through. So I've learned to analyze why it is so, I, so that I stop being in a bad mood. A lot of you, if you're in a bad mood, you just consider that to be the will of God. Well, I'm in a bad mood. It's the way that it is. No, you analyze it. Is that correct? Should I be in a bad mood? Should you ever? Are bad moods forever behind you? They should be. There's no reason to walk around in a bad mood. And all, ever, you take that thought captive. That's how Christians live. Don't worry, I'm gonna show all of this to you with Bible verses. So thoughts are coming. What are you gonna do with them? That's Christianity. Oh no, Tom. Listen, I'm not talking to the unsaved. I'm talking to the saved right now. Christianity is what are you gonna do with the thoughts that are coming? Because they're coming. They're here and they're coming again. They're coming. What are you gonna do? Second by second decisions are everything. To discover who you are, second by second decisions are everything. If you want to accomplish what God wants you to accomplish, second by second decisions are everything. No, I don't believe it's that specific. Don't worry, you're gonna, you're gonna be proven wrong in just a second. Because if you don't believe that, you just simply don't know the Bible. You are perishing for a lack of knowledge. Doors are swinging open before you, but you can't see them. You don't know, because you're living in unbelief. But second by second, decisions are everything to discover who you are and to accomplish the will of God. What is the will of God? What is it? What is, what's the will of God? The next step. Oh, I want the big picture. You're never gonna get it. Most Christians spend their whole life trying to find the big picture and miss the next step. There is no big picture he's gonna reveal to you. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. The steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. He will reveal them via the word of God one step at a time to see if you're worthy of step three. You've gotta take step one. I don't know what God has planned for me. You said that when you're 20. You're 57 now. 37 years has passed. And you still think you're right. At least I'm smart enough to say I wasted three or four decades. Are you gonna do it? Or still believe that you're right? Where are the miracles? The salvations? The blind seeing and the deaf hearing? Where's your financial prosperity? All of which are guaranteed in the Bible. Why is there still sickness, illness, disease, and infirmity? It's not what God wants. It's not the will of God. Tom, don't say that. That's gonna hurt people's feelings. It doesn't matter. What matters is what the word of God says. Tom, if you say that homosexuals will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Don't worry, I'm an equal opportunity offender because heterosexual sinners will also not inherit the kingdom of heaven under the same curse of sexual sin. You're welcome. 
That's the Bible. It doesn't matter whether it offends people or not. You should try to preach to not offend people. Well, no, okay, let me look that up. Is that what Jesus did? I mean, I believe you hear me bemoaning how people get up and leave, right? I, I guess I shouldn't. I'd be like, I should praise God for it. Because in John chapter 6, 53 through 67, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more and asked, why are you leaving? They said it's a hard teaching. <laughs> I don't even consider the things that I consider the things that I say sweet and nice. God wants you well. God wants you prospered. If you're going to hell, I'm telling you, I'm saving you. You should be happy. Woo, he saved me. Shouldn't be upset. The only reason why you're upset is that you know you're going to hell. That's why you're upset. <laughs> yeah, but I was told by, by John Calvin that no matter what I did, I got saved when I was three, and now I'm living with a man and... He, I thought I was told I, told I was eternally secure. Well, let's look up eternal security in the Bible, shall we? Oops. That isn't there either. You mean you're telling me that there's major facets of denominational Christianity that are not biblical? About 100%. It's always that way. It always goes Catholic. It does. All of the people that are teaching grace, hyper grace, are actually teaching the opposite. They're actually teaching saved by works. One pastor actually preached, it doesn't matter whether Jesus was born of a virgin as long as Jesus was born. Heresy. That's all because he wants to make it palatable for the world. The world's not gonna believe he was born of a virgin, so I don't wanna preach to that he was born of a virgin. And it's not what you do. And, it, and Jesus being born not of a virgin makes it all worthless. The prophecy wasn't fulfilled. He was not the son of God. Doesn't qualify as the son of God. So what are you winning people to? You're winning them to actually your works-based gospel. I'm the one who's preaching grace, not you. You're, you're actually preaching works. Grace doesn't, even, grace doesn't even apply if Jesus wasn't born, born of a virgin. It doesn't, even, it doesn't even apply to one aspect of Christianity. Nothing. There is no Christianity without the virgin birth. But if form fits into his version of Jesus, which he considers to be palatable for the world, so that his church gets bigger and his offerings get bigger, and so that he can be considered a success in the eyes of the world, he can be considered reasonable in the eyes of the world. They're going Catholic. You're like, Tom, you shouldn't say that. I'll say whatever I want. First of all, first of all, I was born and raised Catholic. So just like I can rip Germans and Irish, because that's who I am, I can rip Catholics. I have the heritage ability, the heritage right to rip Catholics. I, how many of you went to CCD in First Communion and all that? Well, you have the right to. Remember every Tuesday afternoon, you come home from school, oh gosh, I gotta go to CCD. 
was just, just an opportunity for me to play smear the queer in the front yard with all my other friends. But I mean, you're like, how dare you say smear the queer? I'll say whatever I want. That was the name of the game. We weren't politically correct then. This is what it is. It's just like everybody who's saying that they're a defender of democracy is actually a defender of authoritarianism, a, de a defender of censorship, banning and slaughtering the unborn in the name of democracy. It's just like all those who are saying that they are defenders of grace are actually defenders of works-based salvation because they have devalued grace. They have devalued the divinity, uh, the divinity of Jesus himself through their words. They have made the word of God of no effect through their works, through their traditions. They're the ones who are guilty of it, not me. So what is, what is the will of God? I'm gonna make life very easy for you. Power. That's the will. What about love? Can we stop with the love? You, you, listen, old, the problem with love is, again, it's the amalgam of humanity. What's your definition of love? What is it? It's a very easy definition. It's a three-letter word. God, that's love. That's not what love is taught. That's not how love is taught. God is love. Yes, you have 1 Corinthians 13, four through eight. I understand that, but that's still God. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil. Love rejoices, in, love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. Love never fails. That's God, not a feeling. Not avoiding the truth to keep people in the church. Not avoiding the tru truth to stay in a relationship with somebody. That's not love. Avoiding, not, avoiding telling people that they're going to hell so that they go to hell, how's that loving to you? Not locking down and putting masks on your face and taking a, a gene therapeutic vaccine. That's not love. How is that love? We're gonna show the world how loving we are by doing exactly what the world does. You're not to conform to the pattern of the world. So that can't be love because you just violated love, which is the word of God. Did you bind, did you loose, or put a mask on? Did you bind, did you loose, or lock down? Did you bind, did you loose, or take an experimental vaccine? If it wasn't the word of God, then it was not love. Jesus is God, Jesus is the word, so the word is love. Well, I don't really look at it that way. You're a heretic. When God opened up the desert and swallowed a bunch of Hebrews, that's love. God is love. When God slain Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter five, verse one, starting in verse one, that was love. When he called the religious elite of the day, whitewashed tombs full of dead man's bones, 
That was love because that's God. Does that license you to speak however you want to anybody? No. Speak what's appropriate. Be guided by the Holy Ghost. He'll tell you what to say. And most of the time, what will he tell you to say? Nothing. (laughs) Nothing. Say nothing. Well, I just need to respond because, you know, she said this. No, say nothing. I was talking to my wife recently. I was giving her my advice. (laughs) I could tell. It was going nowhere. So I changed the subject. Normally, how that would go, because see, I am, I am changing. Ever changing. Ever being compelled by the Holy Ghost. Now normally, when my advice is cast off, there's quiet in the car. Because my advice is really important. <laughs> And when it's, when it's shunned by my spouse, it's quiet in the car. But not this time. I said, you know what? She doesn't want it. I'm not God. She's not blaspheming anything. She hasn't done anything wrong. She doesn't want my advice. I just changed the subject and moved on. Probably to, where's the closest 7-Eleven? I'm parched. I'm not doing that anymore. And you might be thinking, well, I don't do that because happy, happy wife, happy life. (laughs) I don't care about any of that. You don't care that she's happy? Yeah, I care very much if she's happy or not. But I ain't scared of my wife. She's 5'1". She says she's 5'2", but she's (laughs) 5'1". Most, most of you, I don't have to say anything because she'll be upset. I don't care about any of that. You're like, you're just a male chauvinist. Call me what you want. Label me however you want to label me. I'm not gonna be hog-tied and branded by any human being. Only by God, I wear his mark on my forehead. None other, none other. But when that happened, I'm like, this is a great opportunity for change. Every thought taken captive. Do you do that or, well, you know, I just live how I feel. The heart's deceitful above all things and you live by your heart. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Heart and mind are synonymous. So you can say the mind is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. How can that be, Tom? That seems to be conflicting with other verses in the Bible like Romans chapter seven, verse 23. I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin. Depends on where your mind's at in the renewal process. The mind can go either way. It's being renewed. You are given the mind of Christ, but if you don't do the work, you don't know what the mind of Christ is. If you're not taking every thought captive, you don't know what the mind of Christ is. So love is power. You want people to be loved, then heal them. Come come with conviction and set them free. That's love. Love is God. But you shall receive what when the Holy Spirit has come upon you? Power. And then you're a witness. But you shall receive 
power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me then. I put the then on there. A lot of Christians, Christians, since they have no power, they've got to come up with kindness. You're getting dog cussed to your face. Your family's being treated like crap by somebody. And you consider it to be loving to just stand there and take it. Give not that which is holy unto the dogs. Neither cast ye pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you, Matthew 7, 6. You're like, Tom, what, do you, what happens when people come up and start dog cussing you? I ain't gonna cuss. I'm not gonna just stand there either. They're quite quiet in here. I just, I just think it's really loving to just stand there and take it. You're... When I was in law enforcement, believe it or not, people like to cuss at the police. Yeah, it's shocking, isn't it? So I'd be talking to them, and I'd give them a warning. Either clean it up, or I'm done. You see, all these videos of cops these days, they don't even know what to do. They're so petrified to do anything now. They are. We used to watch, there's some cops in the room. And there's, some cop, there's at least one from the sheriff's office that I worked at, Sarasota County Sheriff's Office. We used to watch videos of cops tell people, sir, take a step back. Sir, take a step back. And on the 47th time, the guy hasn't taken a step back, and he's been obstructing your investigation the entire time. Maybe you ought to have stopped that on take a step back number two. I always had a rule. You had three chances. Sir, get on the ground. Sir, get on the ground. Last one's coming before the pig pile comes. Because then we're all going to jump on you. And then you're going to be on the ground. Or you're going to get tased and be on the ground. Or capstan on the ground. Or my, just my personal favorite, I'm going to tackle you and take you to the ground. People don't, people don't operate in power. That's the characteristic of a believer, not accommodation. Are you telling me, to, listen, I'm not telling, you, you have to put up with people. There's nothing like, in my neighborhood, everybody likes to put out, gosh, is it 1121 already? Holy moly. Man, I preach a long time. Everybody puts out, everybody puts out these floodlights in my neighborhood, except for me, because I hate them. And they're motion detected, Act, activated by motion detection, and then they, they come on, they're brighter than these. Out in the middle of nowhere, there's no crime out there. You have an alarm system, whatever it is, but they all put these lights on. So I have a neighbor, my neighbor right across the street, it's off now because it's, they changed, it's changed neighbors. But the neighbor that I had before this one, same house, different neighbors, had a light in their front driveway. It basically... It looked like, I don't know, I don't even, something super bright, whatever. It looks like Las Vegas, <laughs> right across the street from my house, which is right where my room is. <laughs> and it stayed on all night and even all day. So, what am I gonna do? Just get up in the middle of the night, just go over there.
sneak over there in all black. <laughs> there's a, you, have to, there's, you have to live with human beings, I get it. And you can't be in perpetual confrontations with people, but Christians need to operate in power. Do you realize that if you carried a powerful anointing, most people wouldn't come near you as far as confrontation. They'd be scared of you. If you carried a powerful countenance of the Lord, not your pride or arrogance, countenance of the Lord, and you spoke as one with authority, people would back off. I was listening to Jonathan Shuttlesworth preach last night. He's in West Virginia right now. This was his last, his, well, they're continuing on now. But his last night was Friday, but they're continuing now tonight. And he was talking about, he was preaching, and a guy came through the back door, and it was in a church of a couple hundred people. But it was you know, very noticeable, so a church of like 200 people, like our old building. Guy comes through the back door, down, the, down one of the aisles, either the main one or what noticeably down the aisles. Nobody's doing anything, carrying a steel pipe, coming at Jonathan, looking at Jonathan, carrying a steel pipe. And he just noticed, he said that back then, this was you know, 10 years ago, they didn't have all the security that you have now. But he still had security, and he noticed they were talking to each other, but nobody was doing anything. You wouldn't make it 10 feet down this aisle if you had a steel pipe in your hand. But back then, back then, nobody was doing anything. Probably wanted to be accommodating. Well, I believe that some, you know, people want to carry steel pipes and anything. So. <laughs> but he came, he comes, he comes down the aisle. And Jonathan said, he's coming at him. This is for real. This is the real deal. The guy acknowledged it after the service that he came to kill Jonathan. And Jonathan said he couldn't think of anything else to say, but he yelled at the guy, behave! <laughs> he, said, he said he wishes he would have thought of something more manly. <laughs> he said he's harkening back to what his great-grandmother used to say, behave! That's all that he could think of. Not like, back off, or, you know, step down, step back, nothing. Behave. The guy immediately plopped down in his seat, put the, put the iron pipe, the steel pipe, underneath his seat, responded to the altar call, got saved, talked to Jonathan afterwards. That's how it's supposed to work. Not, oh, I know that, you, I've seen that you've walked in tonight with a steel pipe, and we just want you to know that we, we accept people with steel pipes. You're more than welcome in this place, and we have a gift basket for you in the back. I'm gonna leave out the details on this, but I had a man threaten my dog with a gun. So I told him, he was, I was standing there too. It was a vague thought, a vague uh, statement. And he said, you know, I'm carrying a firearm and I'm not afraid to use it. And I said to him, and I'm standing as close to him, wave your hand, Hope. I'm standing as close to him as I am, Hope. I said, pull it out and watch and see what happens to you. Go ahead, pull it out. He never uttered another word. I'm not, well, I back right off. I'm not, no, pull that thing out. Go ahead, pull it out. 
All I got is a stick. That's all I had was my walking stick. You pull that up, you pull that thing out, and the cops will find that thing on you, inserted in you. The only assault victim will be you. If you take a lot of guff from people, you're going to take it from the devil. And you'll be owned and made useless. How did Paul win the lost? How do you win the lost? Are we going to buy a bunch of flags, the wavy flags out there, where you got that sort of Gumby figure? <laughs> Foundation Church! <laughs> no! <laughs> no! How did Paul win people? My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. That's love. That's the Bible. The Bible is Jesus. Jesus is God, and God is love, 1 John 4, 16. Whatever you do with your thoughts is everything. Everything. Where do you get that from? Just simplistic verses like Proverbs 23, 7. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Well, you know, I have low self-esteem. You're low then. You're low. Well, I, how many of you make statements like, well, of course that happened. It always happens to me. Of course. I did it the other night. I don't remember what it was about. And I was like, well, of course. And I, I retract it. A lot of you, you're like, you just let it sit out there, not me. I know words like feathers in the wind. I go chasing them. I, I say to the Lord, Lord, I take that back. That's not the case in Jesus' name. I take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. As you think is who you are. So ought not you take those thoughts captive? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind so your thoughts and what you do with them are everything. Everything. Second by second, what you do with your thoughts is everything. Oh, Tom, it's not that specific. What are you basing that opinion on? Name the Bible verses. Come on. Any heavy-duty theological stand that you have should be based on Bible verses. Are they? Well, I don't spank my kids. I'm biblical. That's why they are what they are. That's why I see them hitting you outside of the church and running from you and pulling away from you. Sign a waiver, like I always say. <laughs> Give them from, to me for one week and they'll never pull away from you again. I've never experienced that, ever. Oh, bull, Tom. Ask them. I can't get to them before you. Get to Norma and Tommy after and ask them if they've ever even tried to pull away from me in their life. Tommy could choke me unconscious in five seconds. I've told you this. I tried one time, just for the heck of it, in the old podcast room. He was laying on the couch, and I jumped on him. <laughs> ah, I jumped on him. He threw me on the ground and had me in an arm bar tapping out in less than three seconds. He won't pull away from me today. Today he won't. He's a slob. 
So I always have to tell him. And you're like, how could he be a slob? He's like, he's built like a Greek god. Yeah. He listen, when it comes to personal cleanliness, <laughs> immaculate, training, I mean, immaculate, never misses, discipline, every other aspect of his life, slob, <laughs> slob. So I'm always having to tell him, Tommy, listen, I really don't like picking up your fungus-infested, sweaty, nasty clothes off the driveway. And what is your underwear doing on the driveway? <laughs> I don't like picking up all your water bottles. I don't like going into your room and you ate a bowl of cocoa pebbles, which is now formed into a brown cheese. You're like, he really lives like that? Yeah, he lives like that. But if I go and tell him to this day, go get the cheese out of your room. He goes and gets the cheese out of his room. Well, I don't believe in spanking my kids. Well, enjoy what you got. Just, you know what you should do? It's my fault. My kids are alcoholics. My kids aren't serving the Lord. My kids are successful but not serving the Lord. It's your fault. <laughs> you should see the looks that I'm seeing right now. <laughs> I know, listen, I know you're thinking, I ain't never coming back now. You just blame my kids on me. That's right. You're gonna be judged for it anyway. I'm just telling you, listen, you're the priest of your home, Dad. How many Bible studies did you lead? How many times did you miss church? You're on church, you're off church. You're on church, you're off church. And you're wondering why your kids aren't saved? The hypocrisy? You didn't, you didn't, you didn't take their actions captive? So that you allowed them to smart mouth your wife right in front of you? Ask my kids how many times they've ever done that. You're like, you live like, absolutely live like that. And here's the reason. It's not because I'm a virtuous person. It's actually because I'm a lazy person. I don't want to deal with that stuff. So I'll just take care of it now so that I can just go watch TV. You're like, Tom, you're horrible. I'm just telling you the truth. I don't want to deal with constant contention. I'm busy. And I'm busy being me. I just sat down with my food, my feet up. I don't want yelling and screaming. So I made sure I extinguished that when they were two and three. So that when they're 14 and 15, I'm still doing the same thing again, unfettered. It's all selfishness. But at least they're good. It's not total selfishness. Of course, I want them to, want them to go to heaven and all that. But mainly. Oh, Tom, taking every thought captive second by second, it's not that specific. That's not Christianity. Show me your Bible verses. I'm gonna show you mine, which I have memorized. Show me yours, because obviously, if you've set your theology upon it, they must be memorized. That, it's that, that you have an ambiguous will of God that's unfolding. Some of you, it doesn't matter how old you are, seven or 70, people still believe there's this ambiguous will of God that's going to unfold that you never asked for, that you never worked for, that you never dispelled unbelief 
for all our specific steps with specific measures and specific actions. Show me where God is not that specific. Show it to me. That's why you have Christians for years saying the same thing. And, all, and it's all living in delusion and deception. They're deceived. Revival's coming. All right, well, you said that in 74. It's 2023. When's that, when's that revival coming again? I believe that God's making a move. It, you, it's just repetitive. You're Catholic. Just become Catholic. Just go get a priest and become Catholic and repeat the same prayer over and over again. It's just Pentecostal Catholicism. Revival's coming. God's on the move. I believe this and I believe that and it never happens, but you keep repeating it over and over again and believing that you're right. You're actually insane. I want you to, listen, why am I saying what I'm saying? I want you to experience the power of God. Not believe for the power of God. Not hope for the power of God. Experience the power of God. Talk to people in this room that have been to foreign fields. It's got nothing to do with foreign fields. But look at, when people have nothing else but God, there is no 9-11, there's no 911 to call. There is no ambulance. You can dial it all you want because they all still have cell phones too. Even in the poorest countries, they make sure that you have your QR-coded Mark of the Beast in your hand so that you can be marked and controlled and followed. But ask them, why does the power of God unfold there? Why, why, ask them. But the main thing I'm telling you is, look at them enjoy the power. They're enjoying the love of God, power. People come up who are, who are controlled, possessed by demons, they cast them out. And the, demon, the devils talk to them. Well, I've never experienced anything like that. You don't think there's any devils in Northport? Christians don't want any part of it because they honestly believe it's loving to not call them demon-possessed. I don't believe that's a really appropriate thing to say. I don't really consider that to be loving. To call somebody demon-possessed, I just really think it's out of bounds. Great. Fantastic of you. They may feel loved, but they're going straight to hell. That's really loving of you. So it's not that specific. Based on what? Well, let's show, let me show you how specific it is. Here's reality. Here's reality. 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Examine yourselves. How many of you do that? But I don't just mean once a week. I mean in the moment. Examine it. Why am I behaving this way? Why am I, why am I saying to myself, I ain't never coming back to this church. Why am I rolling my eyes? You need to live like that. Why do I say the things that I say to my wife? Why am I mean? Why am I crusty? Why am I never in a good mood? Why is everybody scared of me in my house? You know, like people were scared of you in your house. No, not really. They just knew there was a bear there. Don't poke that thing. It's actually friendly. Perform for you. There's a bear like that in North Carolina, a giant, giant black bear. You can go up, he'll do little things for you, toss him some fish or whatever, he'll do anything. 
I'll do anything for treats. You know, people come in the house all the time. I mean, my, my Tommy Normer, hey, look what we bought you, donuts, cookies. <laughs> Yay. It's fantastic. My whole mood brightens. But in every second, I'm not talking about a, oh, you know what, every year my wife and I get together. Christians are, oh, my gosh, I'm just trying to control myself. We're so Catholic and so religious. Every year we get together and we consecrate our year. It's not the way the human mind thinks uh, in terms of years. You can't. That's how we delude ourselves into not taking action. However, it's all second by second. That's Christianity. Examine yourself. And listen, if it takes a moment and you actually have to stop talking or not talk at all, even if your spouse is going, well, what do you have to say about that? I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Those are married people in the front row. I'm thinking, I don't want to say anything right now, because if I do, we're going to fight for the rest of the day. My wife and I do that. We, don't, we hardly ever fight. We really have very little contention. However, there have been times where we're like, you know what, we're just not going to say anything right now. And most of the time, if you don't say anything right at that moment, because it's all carnal, it's just a bunch of gas. Again, let me just reiterate to you the most spiritual thing that I've ever said to the church. Feelings are nothing more than farts. It's the same biological reaction. Farts is not a cuss word for all of you holy people. You say it at home, so you should say it from the pulpit. There's nothing more hilarious. We play them on the podcast. What's so funny about farts? It's already 1140. I'm wasting my entire message on this. Heather and Hope for sure, and I'm not sure it was Norma. We were all doing the podcast. Okay, like I was doing Hope's podcast with her. And I have my guy at the controls, which is Aaron. Aaron will do anything that I tell him to do. And he'll do anything Hope tells him to do, but not if I tell him, not if, if what I say contradicts what Hope tells him to do. So Aaron's like, so... We're like, we like putting farting sounds on stuff <laughs> at various times. And both Heather and Hope were like, we don't, we don't think that's funny. I don't, I don't find that, Heather especially, I don't, I don't find that to be funny. I don't find that to be funny. Heather's very forthright. I had her give a tithe spiel in front of the church, and like half the church left. And it better be 10%. Y'all all you're coming on. So... So Heather and Hope are like, we don't really, we, we, we just don't think they're funny. I don't, I don't find them funny. I don't find them funny. So we were having a segment about anal sex. If you have your kids in here, that's on you. I, there's, there's kids in a room everywhere. About not to do it. You know, sodomite will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's the Bible. Some of you, some of you are so religious, you're like, out there. That's religious. If you're, if you're religious, listen, there's a big difference between being obedient and religious. Religious are your own rules. It's not the Bible. If I'm dropping F-bombs, that's antithetical to the word. Saying the word anal, it's okay. So anyway, we were starting to do it. So I unleashed Aaron. 
And Aaron dro- starts dropping farts all over all our podcast. And who's laughing the hardest? Heather. <laughs> Second hardest, me. And tied with me, Hope. They're funny. It's funny. How am I ever going to get back into the message? Drink of water. So the key is, every second, do you examine yourself? Now, I'm not talking about you OCD people. Seriously. I have an understanding of you because I've struggled with that myself. I'm not talking about, you know, uh, should I get the large fry or the medium fry? Listen, take the thought captive, just get the large. (laughs) I'm not talking about being obsessive. I'm talking about things that are important. Examine yourself. I don't understand why my wife hates, hates me. Yeah, you do. You're just not examining yourself. You know why. I don't know why my life just goes the way it does. Yeah, you do. You know why. Examine yourselves. Again, we're at 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Now, what does that mean? Yes, it means saved or unsaved, but it also means situationally speaking, am I acting in the faith? If you are a snot rag... You're not acting in the faith. Well, you know, I'm the provider. I'm the staunch, never communicative provider of my home. Is that what your wife wants? That you never talk to her? You talk to all your buds. You're out fishing. You can't, they can't shut you up when you're out in a boat. But you won't communicate with your wife? Boy, it got quiet in here. Holy moly. You should see, the, I'm, looking, I, I'm looking at you. You don't realize I do. But I'm looking at you. You should see the expressions on women's faces right now. And women, you don't ever shut up. <laughs> Men and women are different. There's only two sexes and they're very different. Equal in the eyes of God. But examine yourself as to whether you are in the faith. Are you in the faith if there's sickness in front of you and you don't heal it? No. You're not in the faith. It says examine yourself. Here's the next line. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you are disqualified? What dis- um, we at Hyperfaith Grace International... We don't use terms like disqualified. That's because you're not a Christian church. You're Catholic. You're religious. You're a club. That's all you are is a club. It's not based on Jesus. You can be disqualified. Get ready now. This is about to hurt. Most people in this room, now let me soft pedal this for you. By saying what you've heard me say a million times. I myself wasted, wasted so much time. Stay with me. They'll take care of it. So many decades 
Wasted, wasted time. See, even now that I'm telling you that, every single eye is looking that way. You got it, Eddie? Okay. I'll just wait now, because nobody, you aren't paying attention anyway. And I can use this opportunity to tuck my shirt back in. I have no undershirt on, so my flesh is showing in the back. And my pants droop anymore will be more than just that. Hey, Landon, look around the corners. I'll take care. Okay, there we go. Everybody back with me now? Okay. Now, what would I have done if I was you? Same thing you just did. I'd rip you. If I, listen, if I was above what you just did, I'd rip you for it. If that was me, <laughs> I would have been paying attention to the man of God. No. I've been staring at it just like you were. Ooh, what's going on over there? Got a big strapping guy like Eddie going over there, like, to security. Oh, man, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, I've been looking at that, too. Like, it's just like watching cops. This is great. But you can be disqualified. Most people in this room are. I'd say you're going to hell. I'd say it now. It can be heaven and hell if you are living in unrepentant, conceded to sin, you're going to hell. I don't care how many sinners' prayers you've prayed. You've walked away from the faith. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. John 15, 6. That's the fact. That's the Bible. We don't preach that in our church. That's why so many people are going to hell, believing they're going to heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord. It's the reason why Matthew 7, 21 through uh, 27 is in the Bible. But most of us in this room, I was disqualified until I was 50. I'm 54. I'm not 74, I'm 54. I don't even, can't even say that I had 24 years of doing good. Disqualified, bitter, disgruntled, angry at Christians. Tom, weren't you pastoring for a lot of those years? Yeah. <laughs> What's great is, I love everybody in this room. You're like, man, you're, it doesn't sound like you yell and scream at us all the time. I know, that's just how I love. It is how I love. That's <laughs> how I love. But I wasted all those years. You tell me that if you would have died in those years, you were going to hell? No, I was just disqualified from my calling. I was disqualified from power because it wasn't important to me. Was, what was important to me was just me. That was what was important to me, was me. And it took stern, staunch correction. What will you do with correction comes your way? Because that's a thought. What are you going to do with it? <laughs> if, you, if, you sound, if you sound like a horse, you're already off. <laughs> it's just like I tell you, if you sound like this when you eat. That's how pigs sound. To <laughs> see the offense in the room. Tape you know, there's many bad things about this, these phones, but one of the good things are that you can record yourself. Record yourself eating. <laughs> if you can hear yourself, you're wrong. It's got nothing to do with the Bible. That's all just my opinion. <laughs> well, a lot of us, we've been disqualified from power. We don't put the time in to dispel enough unbelief. How do you dispel unbelief? Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. Most people in this room are disqualified because you're perishing for lack of knowledge. You can't see doors opening before you. You don't have the knowledge to open the doors. You're like, what did I walk into? The church 
that will set you free. The church that when you walk into this year's family gatherings, we just got past all of them, but more are coming, right? We got Easter coming up, Father's Day, Mother's Day are all coming up, right? And it won't be long until it's Thanksgiving and Christmas again. And you're gonna have opportunities. You're gonna walk into a room. I'm not saying that these are the only opportunities. They're just easy opportunities. And things will change if you actually baptize yourself, immerse yourself in the word of God. Anoint yourself with the word of God. And what will happen is you will carry an anointing. You, a lot of Christians, they always think they've got to kick indoors. Show me where Jesus went out and kicked indoors. What did he do? He performed with power. You walk into a room and carry an anointing upon you, and your unsaved relatives will come up and ask you questions. They'll ask you questions. Great story that Jonathan spoke of last night when I was watching. Was there was a, they were, these two men, they worked at a construction site. One of them was a foreman, and he said this guy looked like a you know, foreman. And he, other people at the construction site were going to Jonathan's revival, and one of them had a severe case of Tourette syndrome. The foreman was mocking everybody, yeah, it's just garbage or whatever. And this guy that he'd worked with him, basically roughly the same age, had had severe Tourette's where the guy couldn't really function in society, like he would just scream out. But he could work at a construction site because nobody really cares if you scream out at a construction site. You know, like, F-word, S-word. Nobody cares there. You do that in a courtroom, you got a little bit of a problem. <laughs> Trying to work a police call and every other word coming out of your mouth, F-word, S-word, okay, you're gonna struggle. So this guy was, had severe Tourette's, could not really function in life. But he went to Jonathan's revival. Jonathan laid hands on him and, and he was immediately set free from that, healed of it. So what got the foreman to church? The guy with Tourette's syndrome goes back. And imagine you grew up with this guy. You work with this guy. He's been hindered his entire life by Tourette's. You don't go, you refuse to go to church. This guy goes to church, and now the next day comes back Tourette's free for the first time in 30 years. So the foreman goes, why, why are you not flailing about? Why are you not twitching? What is going on? And imagine how weird that would be. I'm just think of it this way. Somebody you knew who had Down syndrome comes in there not anymore. That's the will of God, by the way. Imagine that. His Down syndrome has an impact on the person's uh, you know, faith, how they look. Imagine the person, and, and Tourette's is basically the same thing. And he comes in, and the foreman's just astounded. What, what, what happened? He goes, I went to this revival service, and you know, these people, they don't, they don't know the vernacular. I was touched by God, and the power came upon him. They don't know any of that. I went to church, and now it's gone. That's all you know. Great. Childlike faith is the most powerful faith there is before you get all religiosity. So the guy goes, well, I'm gonna have to come see this. This is a guy who never stepped foot in church in his life. What won him? The wiggly signs out in front of the church? The giveaway? The watered down message? Or the power? That's what you do. How do you get there though? You have to examine yourself. 
Because if you're going to operate in power, that means you must be crucified to get yourself out of the way so the Holy Ghost can move. Second by second, minute by minute, hour by hour, crucifying, examining. And it's not always negative. It's like, you know what? That was right. I did the right thing there. I said the right thing there. Whatever's true is true. Examine yourself. It's not that specific, really. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Listen to the commandments here. We are told to cast down imaginations. Do you do that? Some of you do it once a week, once a month, once a year, or never. Because it just doesn't matter. The will of God's unfolding in my life. And you've told yourself that forever. And there's no power. There's no healings. There's no salvations. There's nothing. These signs will follow those who believe. Where are the signs? If those signs aren't following you, shouldn't you say something's wrong? But they don't because you're not examining yourself. Well, that doesn't work. I work in an office, Tom. Oh, really? I worked in the sheriff's office. Everybody knew I was a Christian. Everybody knew. Tom, if you could pray for over this, I'd appreciate it. Okay. Why? <laughs> I pray for opportunities. Do you? Lord, I ask you to open up the doors for me to share my faith. I've told you this before. Why do people just keep coming to, coming to the church from my own little neighborhood out in the middle of nowhere? I don't even invite them. I'm not even that sociable. I mean, I am. I mean, people drive by. I've decided now, I don't know if I'm going to be able to live by it, but right now I've decided to not address speeding anymore. Especially since Heather drives faster than anybody in the neighborhood. <laughs> by far. Whoosh, and I'm about to go, hey! I went, oh, that's Heather. <laughs> Woo, 100 miles an hour down a 30 mile an hour road. <laughs> Seriously, whoosh! And wow, that girl drives fast. And the second fastest and only by a mile an hour slower is hope. The only difference between hope and Heather is hope will be right on your rear end. I've had her, we've had to drive places together where we're following each other. I'm like, man, I wish my own wife would stop riding my rear end. So in my own neighborhood, I've decided not to address speeding anymore because I was that guy on the side of the road. Hey! Slow down! <laughs> Nobody doesn't slow anybody down. Everybody hates you. So I've stopped. But in my own neighborhood, people come and all I do is, I mean, I wave at people. The biggest attraction I have is certainly not me. It's the dog. People stop by, oh, that's just a beautiful dog. Thank you. Appreciate that. I don't know why I'm thanking you. I'm not the dog, but thank you that the dog that I own is, is pretty. It's awesome. But people keep coming. My neighbor comes, which is the Dexters. You're like, well, Tom, that's a given. It wasn't a given. I didn't know them my whole life. I coached Travis 
in high school football. Somehow he ends up being one of the cornerstones of my entire ministry. How'd that happen? Did I, did I, did I ask him? No. I don't recall ever asking you to do, asking him to do anything. I don't recall any of that. I never tried to recruit them. Just carry an anointing. It's Jesus. It's not me or anything. It's just me having Jesus. It's like, really, it's like me and the dog. Tommy, you're equating Jesus with the dog. I'm sorry if that offends you, but I mean, it's, it's, people stop on the side road, not for me, for the dog. Man, he's beautiful. He'll walk up and jump in your window and you can scratch him and all that. He's the attraction. It's not, it's not me that attracted the Dexters. It's Jesus that attracted them. So they came into where Jesus was. They're my neighbors. Next door to them, they've come to the church, and she comes regularly. Next door to them, their daughter used to come to my youth group. And around the neighborhood, across the pond, they used to come. You're like, a lot of people that used to. Yeah, I know. You know what's funny, though, is all the used to's don't attend church at all. That's a fact. And I keep going down the road. Another, another uh, family that lived, I've told you this one before, the guy who came, his name was Matt, his, his wife was named Lucy. He attended the church for a year, straight, never missed. Just a solemn ex-cop from New York. I can't remember what part of NY, it wasn't even, whatever, but he was a New York, New York City police officer. He came for a year, never missed. Just solemn, didn't, you know, wasn't jumping, running up and down the aisles. So how did he even come? I never invited the man, never. He just came. I have a guy down the road who watches the, the podcast every Sunday, pulls up his car, he gives to it. Staunch Catholic, gives to the podcast. How does this happen? I'm probably missing some. So who am I missing? Well, they're gone now. But yeah, yep, yep. They used. Yeah, there's other people that have moved away. They came. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh, that's right. I am missing. I am. There's two other couples that have moved out of the neighborhood. And they used to go. This is only a neighborhood with 30 houses, if that. How does this happen? Because Jesus sits on my shoulders. Because I endlessly examine myself and get me out of the way. I'm the hindrance. And I'm willing to admit it. Examine yourselves as to whether you are. So here's the, here's the commandments. 1201, we're done at 1210. Everybody good? We're going to have an altar call at 1210. Everybody good for 19 more minutes because that's what it's going to be probably, roughly. We're going to... I'm gonna finish preaching. We're gonna have an altar call. The altar call usually lasts between five and seven minutes, and we're leaving. Can you make it? And by the way, let me address this while I'm here. If you're one of those that gets up and leaves during the altar call, you're wrong. I'm not gonna do anything about it. I'm just telling you you're wrong. I'm not gonna pay attention to it. I'm just telling you, why are you not staying for five minutes and praying? Why? Explain it to me. Explain the priority. Like, Tom, you will run people out of your church talking like that. I don't, I don't care. I don't care. I, I care about the people leaving, but not to the detriment of the truth. You shouldn't leave when we're doing an altar. These are people getting saved. Where are you going? Point your hands at them. It may be your faith that heals them and not mine. 
And it's, you, you have to make sure that you get to McDonald's before they switch from breakfast to lunch. It's 12, they've already switched. Believe me, I know. <laughs> My schedule at the sheriff's office was Monday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Chick-fil-A, Tuesday, Thursday, McDonald's. Every week, all year. That's what I did. People at Chick-fil-A, I pull up to the drive-thru and they go, do you want your regular? Yep. That was it. That's how well known I was there. That's the impact I make upon the world. <laughs> so you are told in 2 Corinthians 10, 4, and 5 to do the following. And so, so com combining these two, these three verses, 2 Corinthians 13, 5, and 2 Corinthians 10, 4, and 5, you are told to do these four things, and this is what I'm closing with. And it's very specific. You are told to cast down imaginations. I'm gonna skip ahead for one thing because I don't want you to miss this. Every thought must be identified. It must be marked, labeled. Tom, we don't use labels in this, you know. <laughs> Here at the YMCA kids, kids camp, um, we don't use labels. Yeah, I use labels. Jerk, you're an idiot. I label. Or you know what? You're a great person. Man, I love you. You're awesome. I think I think about it. Is Francis on here? He's not here. He's not here. Uh, Nick, oh, there's Nick. I'll use Nick. I'm like, I love Nick. He's great. Seriously, Nick. That's my mechanic. Nick, raise your hand. I'm like, I love him. He saves my butt so many times. I do both. I just tell Nick, thank you. And I don't talk to him enough, but I'm like, you know what, man? He saved me so many times, my family so many times with our stupid cars breaking down. Tommy fills my diesel truck full of regular gas. <laughs> I didn't cry out to the Lord. Actually, I did. But after, right after I cried out to the Lord, I cried out to Nick. $70,000 truck at the time full of regular gas sitting on the side of the road. So I label people, great guy. <laughs> Love him. And his wife's the same way. I'm like with the people in the church like Trish, I'm like, give them what they want. How does she want a room paint? Put it, put it in there. She wants a sound system, she's got it. She's a producer. I label people, producer, non-producer. I love you, you just don't produce nothing. Oh, whatever, whatever the label's appropriate. Bible fish Christian. Come in with their Bible case. They look the part, smell the part, act the part, speak the part, but nothing ever happens. Bible fish Christian. You're welcome. Every thought must be identified. It's one of four things only. Every thought. So you are told these commandments. Cast down imaginations. Bring into captivity some thoughts. Every thought is to be brought into captivity. And you're saying it's not a specific gospel? Four minutes to go, we're done. 
You're told to examine yourself. You're even told to test yourself. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Do you not know yourself? What am I all about? You should be doing that. Why is there no fruit? If, if, if I'm to make the tree good or make the tree bad, for a tree is known by its fruit, why is there no fruit? Test yourself. Why is it that every human being that comes out of my house is unsaved? Tom, you just beating up parents who have, lo- who have lost kids. No, I'm not. They're not, they're, are they dead? I don't mean that to those of you who have lost your kids. I'm sorry if that happened, seriously. Seriously, sorry. I'm saying, are they dead? Because you're still their mom and dad. I don't care if they're 48. I don't care if they're 67 and you're, and you're 90 and they're unsaved, you're still their parent. You can still pray them into the kingdom of heaven. You can still witness them into the kingdom of heaven. But every thought must be identified. This sounds awfully militant. Do you read the Bible? No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, putting on the full armor of God. It is militaristic. It is a spiritual war. So every thought must be identified and marked. It's one of four things. Three minutes to go. It's either flesh, devil, the word, or the Holy Ghost. There's nothing else. Well, it could be my spirit. If your spirit's in right standing with God, it's the Holy Ghost. I'm not saying your spirit and the Holy Ghost are the same person. It'd be, the whole, it'd be your spirit in subjection to the Holy Ghost. You always have to be careful with that because people come up to you, Tom, I, I didn't say that. But it's one of those four things. So every thought that you are having, and that applies also to actions and words, what were the motivating factors behind those things? What were they? Were they flesh? Was it devil? Was it the word? Which one was it? Let me ask you this. If it's fear, was it love? Two minutes to go. If it's fear, was it love? But what if you, what if you were fearful in the name of love? My daughter is 22. She wanted to buy a motorcycle. Go ahead. Well, I, I don't want you to get it. I'm afraid of what could happen. That's fear. I didn't love her then. You don't agree, do you? That's, that's the truth. There is, here's the Bible verse. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Well, we want to show the world how compassionate and, we love and loving we are by wearing a mask and locking down our churches. That's fear, so it cannot be love. There are no exceptions. Even fear done in the name of love is still Fear and antithetical to the love that it's espousing. So your first step, and this is it, one minute to go. First step, identify the thought. Second step, take it captive. You're identifying it. What is it? Flesh, devil, the word, or the Holy Ghost? That's it. 
That's a mystical force from the universe. It's one of those four things. First step, identify the thought. Aaron, make your way. Worship team, make your way. Second step, take it captive. Third step, make it obedient to Christ, regardless of how you feel. I woke up this morning, I'm in a great mood now, but I woke up this morning rancid. I don't even know why. Because I was happy last night. I went to bed, maybe it's because of sleep. I went to bed at a nice early 3.40 in the morning. <laughs> Got up at eight something. Nice solid five hour sleep. And I was just in a little bit of a crotchety mood. I didn't sit there and go, well that's it. Crotch day. No, I start taking everything captive. I take my dog for a walk. I'm walking around. I'm praying. I'm addressing it. I'm examining it. I'm taking every thought captive. I'm making it obedient to Christ. By my, by my will through his power. Amen. Every, every head bowed, every, every eye closed. Praise you, Lord. If you need to get right with God this morning, now is your time. Now is your time. If you're a backslidden Christian, you already know what that means. I'm not going to define it to you. If you're a backslidden Christian, this is your time. Backslidden is a hell-bound state. Or maybe you've never been saved. If that's you, I'm talking to you now. What does it mean to be saved? It means that your sins are washed away. They're gone. They're no longer credited to your account. They're credited to the account of the cross, the propitiation for your sins, which is Jesus. If you need to get right with God this morning, I'm not going to bring you forward. Nobody's going to know outside of me. I'm going to ask you to do two things, and that's raise your hand and pray a prayer. That's it. And even when you pray the prayer, everybody else is going to be praying it with you, so you won't nobody will even know it's you. Your only accountability is me. If you need to get right with God this morning, whether you've never been saved before, you've never asked for the forgiveness of your sins through the blood of Jesus and turned from your sins, if that's you, this is your time. Or you're a Christian, you've fallen away. You've fallen away from that commitment of living a holy life. You've turned into a lifestyle of sin. If that's you this morning and you're ready to get your life right with God, now is your time. Right where you are at. Nobody's looking but me. I'm looking around the room right now. I can tell you. Nobody is looking but me. If that's you, stretch your hand up in the air right where you're at if you want to get your life right. Come on, go ahead. Come on. Come on. Come on. I got you. Got you. Got you. Got you. Okay, you put them down. Those of you who lifted up your hands, the entire church is going to pray this prayer with you. Out loud. And everybody, this is not now. You can, you can stop being somber. You don't need to be somber. You shouldn't be this somber already. But we're all gonna pray this prayer out loud. Those of you that pray, those of you that lifted up your hands, pray this prayer directly to the Almighty God and all your sins are removed from your shoulders and placed on the shoulders of Jesus. You are saved and you are born again. Everybody pray this prayer fervently out loud. Here we go. Lord Jesus, I ask you right now to come into my life and be my Lord and be my Savior. I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins and I now turn from them and I give you my life from this day on in Jesus' mighty name. Church says, 
Thank you for listening to Foundation Church's weekly message. We hope that you have been encouraged and empowered. If you would like to partner with us, please visit foundationchurchfl.com and click on Give.